You're listening to the Awesome Podcast Network. This is 80s Revisited. I'm your producer, Jesse Sedgley. And now your hosts, Daniel Sanangelo and Trey Harris. All right, Daniel, you ready to do a podcast? Definitely. All right, now this is Purple Rain. This is a big deal. I got now, you. before we do this, you have to pass the initiation. I know I've never asked this of you before, but you got to do it this time. What, what is it? Well, you're going to have to purify yourselves in the waters of Lake Minnetonka. Sounds good. Okay. I'm ready. Oh, wait. Daniel. Daniel, Daniel, wait. Daniel, wait. Daniel, wait. Wait, wait, wait. <sighs> what? You didn't have to take your clothes off. Let's just do the podcast. Dry dry yourself off. Welcome, everybody, to 80s Revisited, kicking off Music Month with one of my personal favorite music movies from the 80s, Purple Rain, by none other, other, none other, it's not a cow, none other than the purple one, Prince himself, and the Purple Rain, (laughs) in a can. (laughs) Yes, this little gem of a movie was released on July 27, 1984. IMDb 5.9. Rotten Tomatoes 74%. I believe that's fresh. I never remember. 70 or less. Si- is, or, 50, well, 60, pretty much. 60. So it's fresh on Rotten Tomatoes. However, if IMDb was a percentage, it would be slightly rotten. You'd be like, you know, it'd be one of those, like, you better eat it today or it's going bad. Like, tomatoes. Yeah, last day. But before you get into that, you should probably tell them who you are. Damn it. At least I didn't do it last episode. <laughs> I am, of course, Trey Harris. I'm Daniel Sanangelo. And always they remind me of my failures, our producer, Jesse Sedgley. Moo. The utter guy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's right, everybody. But uh, strangely enough, I couldn't find, I usually can't find a worldwide gross for a movie. I couldn't find a budget for this movie. Look, several different sites that usually have figures of it could not find a budget. <laughs> so if you know the budget, hit it, shoot me an email at asiavisit at gmail.com. I just want to know. However, opened at $7.7 million. Not too bad, considering the type of movie it is. Uh, domestic gross ended up making $68 million. Wow. Point three. So it was a huge success. Uh, worldwide gross, again, I couldn't find any data on that. Uh, I'm pretty sure it was re- released worldwide because Prince is an international celebrity and a superstar. Uh, directed by Albert Magnoli, who... Pretty much didn't do nothing of note. However, here's an interesting tidbit of information. He actually replaced director Andre Kochowski on Tango and Cash, the Stallone and Russell hit from, I think, I don't know if that was the 80s or not, to be honest with you. It might be early 90s. I don't remember. I'll look it up. If it's the 80s, we're going to do it on the podcast. If not, we'll do it on 90s Revisited. Uh, but he's actually uncredited for that. So he actually did do something worthwhile after this, in my humble opinion. Uh, it was written by William Blinn, who also wrote st- the TV show Starsky, 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 and Hutch, and also the movie version of it. And also Albert Mangoli, the director, uh, worked on the script as well. Of course, it starred Prince as the kid. Uh, he also, this was, he only actually acted in two other movies. One was Under the Cherry Moon, and the other was the sequel to Purple Rain called Graffiti Bridge, which I personally have never seen, to be honest with you. Uh, Apollonia Cotero played none other than Apollonia. She was also in Black Magic Woman and another direct-to-video movie called Back to Back. And the great Morris Day played 
none other than Morris Day. He was also in Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. I don't know where he was in that, but I really want to watch it again. Just to... You serious? He was at the end. Oh, really? Yeah. I only seen that movie once, and I hated it, so I never, oh, really? I didn't really pay much attention to it. Hey, he's at the end. He performs a concert. They do Jungle Love. That's hilarious. Because here's what I remember about Jay and Silent Bob. I remember the hot chicks in Catwoman outfits dodging the lasers and then farting. Yeah. I remember Mark Hamill as cock knocker. Uh-huh. And uh, the, the Daredevil cameo, like where they're running in the studio and they bump into a dude dressed like Daredevil. Uh, I don't remember that. <laughs> it's like a really brief thing, but and honestly, the only reason I saw Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back is because the big deal was there's a, a an official Marvel cameo in the movie, and it was Daredevil. Wow. Which, at that point, Kevin Smith was about to write yeah. in the comics. So, huh. that's definitely my least favorite. Oh, I guess next to Jersey Girl, which I've never seen, but I've heard it's bad, so I'll say that's my least favorite Kevin Smith movie. Well, you gotta see it. Some people liked it. I'll just assume I don't. Roger Ebert really it. liked it. Fuck that dead <laughs> guy. <laughs> Too soon. That was Too one soon. of his favorites. Really? Like Jersey of Girl. Kevin Smith or like a yeah. uh, period? Well, he liked Chasing Amy the most. but then uh, I could see him liking that one the most. But uh, yeah, he liked Jersey Girl. Hmm. I've, like I said, I've never seen it, but maybe I will check it out. But yeah, I mean, Jane Silent Bob Strike Back was meant to be a campy cartoon, basically. I mean, I, just, I mean honestly, I, I love Jane Silent Bob and Clerks, and I love them all rats. That's that's about it. That's as far like everything beyond that to me is just superfluous. Yeah. Like I love Kevin Smith. Red State was great. Yeah. What else did he do recently? Uh, that's about all I can think of. Oh, recently, Clerks Three yeah. that's coming out and his final movie. Mm-hmm. But he's a great guy. I love him to death. Just. I don't know. James Silent Bob just didn't work on me, I guess. Hmm. Will Ferrell they, and all fan. that stuff. Like, before Will Ferrell was famous, really. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. But, uh... SNL. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, he was at the end of James Silent Bob, as Jesse mentioned. And then Clarence Williams III was none other than father. The kid's father. He was also in the Mod Squad TV show and also the John Travolta non-hit The General's Daughter. Mm. Which was not a good movie. Yeah, but really small cast in this movie overall. Uh, most people played themselves in a sense. No, there was no stretch of like, yeah, Prince one or well, Prince was the kid, but uh, Apollonia was like, hey, you're not Mary or Martha. You're gonna be yourself. And same thing with you know Morris Day, which Morris Day should always be Morris Day, and the motherfucking time <laughs> should have been you know Brown Rain. That's and exactly been... how they put it in Jane Silent Bob, Morris Day and the motherfucking time. Oh, as it said in the that movie must be something? something subliminal to me, like to, to say it like that, because I always say it like that. When everybody, oh, okay. like when, my, when me and Autumn talk about this movie, so like, yeah, Prince is great, but man, more stay in motherfucking time. In the motherfucking time. Now, yeah. it, see, it must totally be psychosomatic. <laughs> That's where I, why I say that because I, I obviously have seen that movie and just completely forgot that he was in it. Just remember that one part, motherfucking time. That one word. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, now Daniel, you've never seen this movie, correct? Nope, ever. You were yeah. aware that there's an artist named Prince and that he makes music and movies, right? Yeah. Awesome. So, I mean, have you ever heard any... I'm sure you probably recognize some of the songs off of it, or even those were kind of new to you, or... Yeah, and most of them are new, but I knew some of them. Yeah. yeah. So, watching it for the first time ever, as an adult of... How old are you? 20? 28. 28. What do you think of Purple Rain? Watching it in the year 2013. It was okay. I get... I like Prince music mm-hmm. a lot. <laughs> The movie to me was kind of funny. Just, uh, what would you say, about 15 minutes of him just straight staring at the camera? <laughs> that's the awesome <laughs> part, though. No, I like the that. Movie. Yeah, that's my moment. <laughs> um, I was one of those people that 
really seen the Chappelle show skit yeah. way before, you know, I've never so seen now Purple Almost Rain. like the Star Wars thing where you heard all the yeah. references of it and you yeah. see it and now you understand what the references are from. It's it's, it's a funny movie to me. Mm-hmm. Um, they recently had a update for IMDb on the on the app um, where it would tell you people's height. <laughs> yeah, How print, tall is Prince? 5'3". Your guess? 5'4". Go ahead, Jesse. Un- overcut or undercut me. 5. <laughs> What'd you say? I said what five? What did I say five two? You said five, five three, three or five four? Three. I'll say five three is my guess. Five four. He's five two. Ah, oh, in your face! <laughs> you both just, you've over. overbid. Like there's so a scene you. where he sees his mom get hit, so he runs after. Yeah. and dead, tackles dead. his dad. A prince ain't gonna do much if he's trying to tackle you. <laughs> he's a t- I mean, even like his frame. You know, yeah, I mean, he's he's, I mean, he's got muscles, but I mean that's all he is. He's a short. You know, he's, he's almost a, like a Mai Tai fighter. It just. It seems like it would be so odd to work with him on a movie. Like if you were the director, Prince, I want you to do this. You know? and, well, I mean, mm-hmm. a big thing about this movie was is that it was meant to kind of launch his, you know, to go along with his album. Because, I mean, he was a, the 1999 album came out before this. This was his follow-up to that, so to speak. I mean, I think this is his sixth album. Uh, <laughs> pardon me. <laughs> <laughs> Prince just gets me all gassy. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, the album came out like a month before the movie. And, uh you know, of course, it's a huge success, which I'll talk about a little bit later. But the movie was meant to showcase the album and just to make him even more famous, yeah. which it, it really did. Uh, but I like anything. Prince. But, yeah. I, I kind of, I, yeah. I honestly thought you would like this movie, especially I thought you'd like the music because yeah. I think I mean the music's fantastic. Uh, I think the only weak song in it is the Apollonia Six song. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, got more. It's a little, there. little dirtier than I thought. Well, it's made it yeah. R. Yeah. Well, I mean, before I even knew the mm-hmm. rating. And uh, the funny thing is, interesting story about this movie is that usually, like, uh, I'm trying to think of a, a valid example, like, uh, you know, the music, like, uh, music before our time, so to speak, like uh, Led Zeppelin, uh, The Beatles, older acts, uh, Sam Cooke, like we listened to on the way up here, like, you know, usually you, you're introduced to those because maybe your parents mm-hmm. or a peer, you know, basically a peer or, you know, or maybe a movie might even, like, play a song for you, like, oh, I like that song, and then you explore that music. Well, with Purple Rain, I mean, I was only four when it came out, but there was a kid in my neighborhood, the older kid, and the only way I can describe this kid is Zach Morris. Like, mm-hmm. blonde, you know, and he was, like, maybe five years older than me, more than maybe even more than that, but, like, when I grew up, I lived down a gravel road, and he was the nearest neighbor. Like, his family was, like, and I'm not, I'm not talking, like, miles in the country. I mean, he was, like, maybe 200 feet. It's not like today where houses are two feet apart and mm-hmm. or even all connected and blah, blah, blah. But, uh... I remember, like, maybe five, five or six years old listening to Purple Rain because, like, I'd go over to his house and we'd play basketball outside. He had a basketball goal. He had a paved driveway so we could bounce the ball and not have to play on rocks, like in my yard. Uh, if you were Zach Morris, who were you? I would, un- Unfortunately, at that age, I would have been Screech because <laughs> okay. I was a little, you know, I was like the little, jeez, dude, what are we going to do? Don't worry, just do what I say, you know, blah, blah. <laughs> but uh, we would be out there playing basketball and he'd bring his boom box out there, you know, it was bigger than me with one tape deck and two huge speakers, and he put in the tape of Purple Rain. <laughs> so, you know, and I didn't see Purple Rain until I was much older, but I always knew of Prince and of the album, so to speak. And the, to tie this all around is I remember distinctly in uh, my sophomore year in high school when Boz Luhrmann's Romeo and Juliet came out, mm-hmm. and one of the big songs on the soundtrack was that little black kid, choir kid, singing When Doves Cry. Yeah. And then everybody, like all the girls in school were blown because DiCaprio... Mm-hmm. Was like, oh Leo and oh that, that, that when Doves Cry song so amazing I'm like are y'all talking about Prince they're like who I'm like Prince you're talking about when Doves Cry right and they're like 
no, dummy, we're talking about Romeo and Juliet and whoever sings it on the soundtrack, you know, whatever. I'm like, bitch, whatever. <laughs> but it, it always pissed me off because, like, it was one of those instances where, like, you know, I was in a sen- sense in the, like, I knew what they were talking about correctly, so to speak, but they're like, so, like we talked about before, how people will grow up on the Rob Zombie Halloween remake. They'll grow up on uh, the Red Dawn well, remake. They won't grow up on the originals. So yeah, like an- another example, although she did it way justice, is I Will Always Love You. Yeah. Dolly Parton. Oh, I mean, I mean yeah. there are mm-hmm. examples where it is better. Like, wait, well, here's another example. I listened to Johnny Cash long the fuck before he covered Nine Inch Nails. Yeah. And then all of a sudden he covers Hurt, and then every single... not I'm not, ta- I'm not talking about anybody in particular, but I mean, everybody likes Johnny Cash all of a sudden. I grew up on Johnny Cash, The Beatles, Elvis, Alabama. Those are, That was the music my parents had. You liked Alabama? Oh, oh fuck yeah. Alabama's good. Like, mm-hmm. real country. Like, yeah. like country... Like, and that's the thing, too. Like, people who didn't listen to Johnny Cash... But they listened uh, uh, modern uh, Carrie Underwood, like those kind of people, whatever. Uh, Talking about I don't know good any stuff like George Strait. Yeah, they don't. They don't. They, they know of those people, but they don't listen to Garth Brooks or George Strait or George Jones, rest in peace, who died recently. Mm-hmm. Uh, they just listen to these modern people, like, and it's not country. It's pop with a yeah, fucking right. banjo. There you go. Yeah, that's not country. But then Johnny Cash covers her, and everybody's. I've always listened to Johnny Cash. Bullshit, motherfucker! You didn't know who he was two days ago. <laughs> But just a similar thing, like, tied, tied in. You know, so Purple Rain, I was fortunate enough at a young age. No, I don't mean to sound like, you know, oh, I'm fortunate enough. But, I mean, I, I was introduced to it younger than my parents would have let me be introduced to it because of peers and all that. So, I, like, you know, I, I, I knew it. I didn't see the movie again until I was probably, you know, I guess maybe actually DVD. Because I knew, I just I just honestly assumed the movie was a mu- the music videos, which I saw on MTV. Yeah. With Prince crawling out of the bathtub and all that kind of stuff for When Doves Cry. You know, so... But I've always loved the music of this album. And then when I finally saw the movie many years later, I really like this movie. Uh, I still like watching it again. I still like it. I think the weak part of port, the weak part of it is the I think it's definitely the acting. Mm. Uh, but honestly, I think there's a really good story that's being told in the movie, and I think it's really well directed because the whole thing. Of course, Prince looking at the camera and all that. I mean, that's print because they got to promote Prince with this thing. But uh, the whole plot line of his dad beating his mom, his dad, how his dad wrote music and was threw it all away because he gave up on himself basically, and he just wants his wife to believe in him, and you know, and then that whole parallel in the kid's life, how he sees all that happening to him, to where he, he's starting to do the same thing as dad. Did. Exactly, and like, because then Apollonia tells like, you know, go ahead, hit me or whatever, and all that, and it's just like, you know, that it's actually that part of the movie is really, really good, and I think. That's where it shines, and it, it, that, it, it holds up for me, which we'll talk about a little bit more in a second. But uh, again, the music just carries, like, that's the most important part of it. But to me, it's not just like, uh, I'm trying to think of a contemporary example uh, that I really can't even think of an example for. So that's invalid. Bom, bom. Help me out here. Any modern music movie? Is our, they don't even make movies like this anymore, really. They don't, yeah, like a like Rock of Ages style yeah, oh, or something. The, oh, fuck that. We already talked about that on here. I believe. <laughs> I know, but I'm just trying yeah. to pull yeah, something I'm out. Yeah, I'm trying to. I mean, well, that's similar, you know, to where there's, where that movie is like, oh, we did mashups of these songs, and here's a really stupid story to tie it all together to give us an excuse to sing a Journey cover. Is that what you mean? No, that's what like modern, like modern today. Well, whereas yeah, this yeah. one, it's not necessarily a movie, but Glee does it. Yeah. Yeah, same same principle. Like, oh yeah, this song is really popular right now. Let's have this dude have deal with something that's talked about in the song so we can cover it. Type situation where this was granted, like I said, the movie was done to promote Prince, but the music ties into the movie. Like when he's when he sees Apollonia and Morris Day in the in the uh club and he sings Darling Nikki, 
like he does in the movie. You know, like, I told you about bringing your personal shit on stage, kid. So which one came first, do you think? The movie or the Oh, and the music. music came first. Music came first? Yeah, and I think... But I think so they like did an a, Across the Universe. Yeah, basically, yeah, there you go. There's a, uh, that's a good example. That's a perfect example to where, okay. you know... And, uh, well, and uh, of course, the Beatles catalog is so extensive to oh, where sure. you can make a movie fit with, you know, <laughs> almost about anything. You can make another one, yeah, all different songs. Uh, exactly. You can make the <laughs> sequel and not even repeat a song uh, like that, you know. Kind of like we, we always, I joke, always joke with Jesse that we need to do a journey musical about yeah. an alien invasion because there's songs that can fit to that, which copyright Trey Harris 2013. <laughs> uh, and journey. Yeah. And <laughs> <laughs> the music of journey. <laughs> Oh, yeah, but they don't matter. Yeah. It's a story. Yeah, they're broken up anyway. See, Perry is all that matters. <laughs> He's the real journey. But anyway, like, you know, they, like we mentioned, wrap it up, because I'm, I'm rambling. Uh, but they really don't make movies like this, but I think this is one of those, like Across the Universe, not so much Rock of Ages, to where the music accentuates the story, and it's not, nothing, neither one is done necessarily for the sake of it, for either or, if it, that makes any sense what I'm saying. Yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody out there gets me. <laughs> And I just want to hold them in the purple rain. <laughs> yeah, but I love this movie. Love it to death. Uh, I was actually worried because I haven't seen, I haven't watched the movie in probably about three years. Three, you know, a while. And we're like, I mean, of course you remember it, but you know, it's one of those. It's not. I don't have it memorized, so to speak. It's not a Star Wars. So I was kind of worried. I'm just about watching for the podcast. It's, it's whether my my feelings for the movie might have changed. Especially when we do this podcast, we're very critical about certain aspects and everything. And it's always interesting to hear what you want to say. I always think about what you're going to think about something. But uh, nipples, what? plot keywords, nipples. Oh, were there nipples in there? <laughs> yeah, Apollonius. Okay. Purifying herself. These are IMDb plot words. Singer, aspiring singer. <laughs> so if you search and nipples, nipples, Purple Rain will come up. <laughs> and as it should, because she had a very nice. She was very well endowed, and she deserves props for that for being a very beautiful woman. Good for her. But no, I'll tell you what. If I was Prince, that's like the, that. She has to. Be, she has to be the easiest chick that he's ever met. Cause he's known her what for like three hours, yeah. And he drops, she jumps see. on the back of his motorcycle. They drive to Lake, well, Minnetonka. not Lake Minnetonka, but they drive oh, to yeah. the lake. Yeah. And then he he convinces her to purify herself herself. So she strips herself, buck naked, jumps in the water, jumps out right in front of him, you know. And I want, and he's just like, yeah, cool. He's like, yeah, girl, that's what you had to do. <laughs> he's such an <laughs> asshole. Men are every dude in this movie is such an asshole to women. Oh, yeah. Like especially Morris Day, he's like what a great villain, first of all. But that dude is so awesome. Like when that chick corners him in that alley, and, he, and Jerome kind of goes behind him and makes that signal and just picks her up and throws her in the dumpster. Wait, Morris Day is the bad guy in this? Basically, that's funny. That's what's. <laughs> he's so like you know his acting's so bad it's good. But he's such a <laughs> yeah. It, it makes his character though. I think like to be that's over the top, sexually charged, silly. But he's just so great in this. It's, it, it, I, the the most infuriating part is the end where they walk by the dressing room right before they sing Purple Rain he's like how's the family yeah. what an asshole I would have gotten up and beat the living crap out of that dude <laughs> that was the most that's one of the most underhanded rude things to say to somebody in that situation of the movie yeah. <laughs> but uh and I'll tell you what like and this is to quote a Prince song almost a sign of the times of the 80s I think this movie is one of the most perfect so far that we've done on the podcast as far as the music, the fashion, the attitudes. <laughs> uh, you know, of course, watching it today, especially how, you know, Prince dresses, you know, he wears the puffy shirt from Seinfeld, 
You know, he's got <laughs> he's wears purple. He got he's got I his eyeliner on. He's got he's got the lace gloves on. You know, he dresses. He's got the button fly that goes from one side of his waist to the other side of his waist. His room is full of like Mardi Gras dolls and masks and pictures of chick eyes with eyeliner and everything. You know, but damn it, in the 1984, if you that wasn't your room, if you didn't dress like that, you weren't a man. You were nothing. What about you were now? less than a man. If you dress like that, if now. some if I saw somebody dressed like Prince, I would have nothing but respect for that person. Now, would I dress like that? Depends on if it's in the month of October or not. That's <laughs> just me. Let me give you an example of how badass it was to dress like Prince in the eighties. My wife's mother's boyfriend. He's a man's man. He's like he's a hunter. He duck hunts every weekend. He trains dogs, uh, hunting dogs, labs, and everything. He goes every kind of hunting. Goes fishing. He's got you know two boats, every kind of rifle, every kind of shotgun. Blah blah blah. Typical Louisiana sportsman. In the eighties, he dressed like Prince. <laughs> That's how badass, like you know, Prince was to everybody. There you go. So, <laughs> I wish I had like I wish I had the outfit. I would I'd break it out every now and then. Go to eighties night at the varsity. Every time we had a karaoke party, dressed like a pirate. I wouldn't just like <laughs> pirate day. <laughs> In fact, if I didn't comb my hair, I'd probably look like Prince from that movie. If I just grew it out straight and then straighten it. <laughs> I should have done that before I cut my hair. Did a Prince do? Yeah, but Mr. Shat. I personally love this movie. I think it's great. Uh, the again, I mean, the music's just so phenomenal, uh, and it's it's a good time. It's really funny too. I think. Uh, I mean, you mentioned how you kind of found it funny too, Daniel. More uh, Day's characters. Oh yeah, definitely. And then of course it becomes kind of fun, comical of Prince mugging the camera, in a sense, just <laughs> that poor always stare uh, at the camera. cameraman <laughs> had to film the dirt bike because there's like five yeah. shots of a POV looking right at the. And, it's the and then the dirt gets thrown into the camera. <laughs> yep. But uh, not too much uh, trivia for the movie, but I'll go over it really quick. There's some interesting tidbits here. Uh, but if I noticed this when I watched it, too, because, of course, I researched trivia before the movie of anything I've seen, which has been all these except Xanadu. But if you look on his bike, there's an earlier, like an early version of the symbol that he eventually changed his name to on his bike, which, you know, mm-hmm. just, the I think, the male symbol on its side. Uh it's on his motorcycle, like the front by the headlight, and I think by the gas tank somewhere. Uh, but that's in there. And uh, this was interesting, I thought. Uh, the original screenplay, which can still be found on various websites, it actually contained an extremely explicit sex scene between... Uh, well, before I say that, actually, the, the original person cast as Apollonia or for the female role was a, a chick called Vanity, which was like a, an act Prince was bringing up with him that he kind of like what Morris Day was doing with Apollonia in the movie, promoting. And when she was in the movie, there was a ex- really explicit sex scene between them two. And it was, you know, called in certain circles the uh, Ride of Rage sequence. Uh, there's no info as to whether or not it was actually filmed when Apollonia replaced Vanity as the leading lady. But it's very, it's, there's a huge rumor that there's actually a, an X-rated purple ring cut out there that's never been released. like, you know, it's on, it's cutting room floor type material. <laughs> like, the, but there's an X-rated version out there for that scene. Uh... And honestly, I didn't know this until I watched it this time, knowing that this actually this was done for the film. In the in the movie, all the songs were recorded live, which, of course, when you listen to the album, you know the song. You're you know it's like when you see any band live, like but you know they're live, so you, you know the difference. But certain parts sound just like the album, if that makes any sense. Uh, but when I watched this song, I could I, it really struck me how different they were from, the songs are from the album because again they recorded live and everything. So that's pretty interesting. And I thought this was hilarious. Uh, William Blinn, one of the writers, along with the director, Albert Magnoli, 
the original originally wanted to call the film Dreams, you know, because he's dreaming of being a star, blah, blah, blah. But uh, Prince didn't like the story and wanted the title, the word, to have the word purple in the title. Thus, Purple Rain. Which I assume that was probably because the album, he, wore, a, he Prince always wears purple, but also the album that the movies, from, like the songs are being used is Purple Rain. So, makes sense. It's a good change because Dreams just sounds very generic and lame. Yeah. And uh, this was pretty cool. Uh, this, this cause again, like like you said, this movie made almost seventy million dollars on a a budget we don't know about. Let's say the budget was seven. The opening weekend was seven. Let's just say the budget was seven or less. So it made ten times its money back. Uh, but the success of this movie not only benefited just the, uh, the film division of Warner Brothers, because Warner Brothers have print signed as an artist and under contract for film and everything. Uh, but of course, the box office gross gross helped. The soundtrack sales were enormous. And the home video release helped the home video department of Warner Brothers and also the promotional video and the publicity from MTV because the biggest musical act at the time was in a, was doing a movie, MTV, you know, free publicity. Naturally, they're going to play Prince's videos all over the place, blah, blah, blah. So it was a huge financial success, not just for as a movie, but for all aspects of it. And Prince became part of, you know, a huge part of culture because of it. You know, to me, this was only this was as equivalent as Madonna singing like a virgin at the MTV Movie Awards. It kind of really announced her presence and made her a household name. Whereas Prince is this is again this is his sixth album. But I mean, after Purple Rain, it was a household name. Like you know, your mama knew who Prince was, so to speak. You know, people wouldn't normally like, oh, that that guy from that movie having all that sex with them women, blah blah blah, etc. And uh. This was pretty interesting, but in the original script, the father was actually supposed to die of his gunshot wound, not you know have the kind of the happy ending in the in the bed. But actually, at the last minute, uh, Mangola, the director, decided to change it and let the father live, so kind of made it a little happier. And that, you know, of course, you had that scene where he goes in and he kisses his head and kisses his mom, and everything's happy, blah blah blah. Him and Apollonia are back together. Sorry, spoilers, Jesse. No. Uh, yeah, that's pretty much it, trivia-wise, for the movie. But uh, I want to deviate just a little bit and actually talk about the album itself. Uh, like I mentioned, I had the album long before I ever saw the movie uh, because of you know my Zach Morris friend. Uh, but the album was released June 25th, 84. That movie came out a month later, a little over a month later, uh, on July 27th. It was actually his first album to where it was Prince and the Revolution, which he was for several albums after that. Before that, he did every instrument. Uh, I mean, he, he was like Trent Reznor on Pretty Hate Machine and some of the other Nine Inch Nails albums. He played every instrument on every previous Prince album. But on this one, he went for more of that rock feel, you know, more of a concert-type deal, so to speak. Uh, a band aspect, I should say, and that's why it's Prince and the Revolution. So whenever a Prince album comes out, my, like, of course, everything he's done lately has been solo. But if it ever said Prince and the Revolution, it was because it was he didn't play everything on his, in, mm. the, in the group. Which I honestly have to say, I have nothing but respect for Prince as an artist. Uh, and I think we, we, actually let me finish talking about these numbers and we'll kind of get into this a little bit but uh, over 20 million sold of the Purple Rain soundtrack it is the number 6 best selling soundtrack of all time do you know what the number 1 is? Uh, soundtrack soundtrack Ooh. actually you might want to look it up because I want to take a guess but I'm pretty sure I'm right is it is it Grease? I don't think so Just Saturday Night Fever no Bodyguard Bodyguard? Dang. Hmm. That's my guess. We're going to look it up. I'm pretty sure I've heard that that's the number one. I think you're... Flying yeah. by the seat of my pants. I saw that. But it said the bodyguard, yeah. There we go. What was there? That says number two. Oh, it's what we says. Well, maybe it... I don't know. I'm going by Wikipedia. <laughs> 
Oh, so well, that's I don't know what they right. what they know that well, I don't know, or that well, this two different top know. tens say Purple Rain is number two. Unless they're now, does it say a number on there? Well, it sold over twenty million so as currently. Oh, this says thirteen million. Well, it could they could be taking oh into internet. <laughs> <laughs> it could be based upon the time frame of when the movie was released. Yeah, as that's like oh yeah or maybe yeah. maybe this not is overall gross. I don't know. That's pretty old. But we'll just say it's up there. It's better than the Bodyguard soundtrack. In my opinion. Whatever. There you go. Uh, and here's some interesting tidbits like of to how well received this album is and how legendary it is in a sense. Uh, 1993, Time Magazine ranked it the 15th greatest album of all time. On VH1's greatest album of all time list, it came in at number 18. Uh, Rolling Stone had a list. Oh, actually, I'll do that one last. Uh, Entertainment Weekly rated it the number one album of all time uh, out of, I think that was in 2000. They did that. Uh, now, Rolling Stone, as far as all time goes, Purple Rain is ranked 76th. Rolling Stone ranks it number two, the number two greatest album of the 80s behind what? 80s. Greatest album of the 80s, according to Rolling Stone. It's a soundtrack? or just No, a, any album. Joshua Tree. No. Good. <laughs> I appreciate you guessing that. Greatest album that was of the 80s. You. Thriller? There you go, yep. That's, that was their number one. Uh, I would argue that point. I mean, I, personally, I think, per, again, this is what I'm, like, the discussion part of it I was getting at. I think Purple Rain's a way better album as a whole than Thriller. However, Thriller send is just emails. so... Send your hate mails or praise emails. <laughs> Prince is going to show up at my door. Jehovah's Witness. That's Come true. in. You know the words of Jesus Christ. He'll hold you in the Purple Rain. Or the Crimson Rain as you sit under the cross. There you go. I don't know. <laughs> I'm just trying to tie it all together, man. But yeah, yeah. Uh, I think, uh, of course, Prince was, today he's not, I mean, I still respect him, but uh, I think his last album was a few years ago. Maybe not a few years ago. It was Planet Earth was the last one that I know about, but it had a, it, had, it was pretty, it was solid. It wasn't like, he he definitely peaked in the 80s, I would say, musically. Uh, but I mean, he's had some, he's had some great songs, some great albums. He's still relevant, I think. Uh, but the juggernaut of Thriller and Michael Jackson in the 80s was so big that I honestly think it really kind of overshadowed Prince in a way. Not to where, not to where he wasn't successful because he was extremely successful. But to me, overall, I mean, my, I'm not taking anyway, anything away from Michael Jackson or Prince or either one of them. I think Prince is more talented than Michael Jackson. And I'll tell you why. Uh, Michael Jackson is a phenomenal singer, songwriter, dancer. Prince is a phenomenal singer, songwriter, He's a decent dancer. He can't touch MJ on the dance floor. Uh, but a, mus- a genuine musician, Prince, one of the one of the coolest things I've ever re- like that people have said about him, Sheryl Crow said that she'd never seen somebody when they walked into a recording studio go from instrument to instrument, all the intru- various instruments in the recording studio, tune them all, play them all, play all the parts, one person so effortlessly and flawlessly as Prince could do. And to me, that's just, you know, that's, I'm going to make up a word. It might sound stupid when I say it out loud and not in my head, but it's very Mo- uh, Mozartian. It makes sense. I mean, just genius. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, to me, that's... And not to say MJ wasn't a genius. That dude is phenomenal. But I really think through the... Mag- through the You know, look in hindsight, looking back in time, the, the blow-up of Michael Jackson, which he deserved every bit of praise he got, really kind of overshadowed a lot of, you know, Prince in a way. Not that there was a big like Prince versus MJ debate in the '80s or anything. Everybody coexisted peacefully, but I really think that that kind of took away. Like it, obviously, if Thriller wasn't released in the '80s, 
everybody would be talking about how Purple Rain was the greatest album of all time, maybe. Possibly. That's typically hypothetical. Just to, for the time frame where we're talking about here in the early 80s and the, how that time frame of music changed everything. You know, you know there's the, the British invasion and then there's MJ, Madonna, and Prince in the early 80s. <laughs> Throw in mm-hmm. U2 in 86. Why not? Yeah. And, that, and it's just, to me it's interesting. And you know, that's not something you really hear talked about, but in researching this and seeing the time frames and everything, uh, to me that's very... That's a that's a topic worth discussing, or at least you know, oh, giving some thought like about. Like, what do we have today that? Oh, exactly. Like, I mean, that's a perf- That's a damn good question. <laughs> Where's our Prince? Where's our Michael Jackson? Unfortunately, I think they're out there. They're just not. They're Ex- not famous. One of the one of the best quotes I've ever heard from somebody who's not famous was a friend of mine uh, when I had an internship locally in college. But he said, "The greatest singer in the world will never be heard, except." Yeah. By like their friends or fans. Like I mean, you'll you'll you will never hear the greatest singer that ever lived. You will never hear the greatest musician that ever lived because you're not going to hear them because yeah. they're not famous. Yeah, basically what you said. No, I think I think back in the day, I think that kind of talent had a way of rising because of just simpler times. If that makes any kind of yeah. sense. Whereas today, like you know, I can't sing, but you know what? I got auto tune, and I can, you know, and they so can sweet. superimpose my head on JT's body and say that I'm a great dancer. Yeah. You know, I mean, they can. There's so much that they can do to make. You know, it's almost like RoboCop, which we're, we're doing after Music mm-hmm. Month. So they can make you better. They can rebuild you. So much based on your image now. Mm-hmm. I mean, but but, but look, I mean, the exact people we talked about are mentioned: Michael Jackson, Madonna, Prince. Nobody dressed like that. Yeah. I mean, they had. You know, they brought. You know, now I don't know how much of that they were told to do, because I don't know how corporate. You know records you know or that that industry was back then because i sure as hell know nobody nobody i sure as hell know that nobody told elvis or uh robert plant or jimmy page or freddie mercury what the fuck to wear because they just did whatever the fuck they wanted to do so or bowie even a better example i'm gonna go on stage dressed like a star man (laughs) you know i don't call me david anymore i'm ziggy Mm. yeah excuse me you know i guess marilyn manson would be a good or kiss would be and those two might be a good example because Although Marilyn Manson used Kiss it too in an actual in a way used their image to sell record in a sense to sell themselves so to speak, you know Marilyn Manson shock rocker, Kiss were the original shock rockers. You know we're in the, they're in this makeup and they're spitting blood and blowing fire and their guitars are smoking, yeah. you know. But you know I like Kisses, but I heard of them because of their showmanship, right? And the music came after. Manson was oh somebody's covering the Eurythmics, <laughs> yeah, and he's cutting himself. Okay, I see where he's going, you know, like, yeah, and then like, oh, and then he releases Antichrist Superstar. What a great, you know, he, then he's, his music is picking up the pace to, you know, beyond the image. Whereas, you know, if I, I can't say if I was in the 80s, I probably, because Sign of the Times being in the 80s, but if I saw Prince in a bar in the 80s, you know, wow, who's this guy? Who's this pirate? But then, you know, he lets out that badass solo from Purple Rain or, you know, I mean, what a fucking musician. You know, the music conquers all, so to speak. So, or, uh, yeah, I guess that's about all that. <laughs> I don't know where it's going. <laughs> uh, so many final thoughts on the movie itself before we split off into our other segments. <laughs> nothing, <laughs> no, nothing of note. What was your favorite song on the, on the movie? Uh, it's simply because I haven't heard all of them. It's when doves cry, but mm-hmm. I don't... I, Purple Rain was really good. Yeah, I mean, that, Purple Rain's probably my favorite song mm-hmm. on the soundtrack uh, overall just because it's such a... I don't know. It's it's almost like a November. That's a terrible example. I say like November rain. <laughs> November. Like it's like an ep, you know it's like a long epic. It's like another kind of rain. Yeah. 
Like, uh, no rain. I blame I was about to... <laughs> no rain, November rain, purple yeah. rain. Rain song. Rain there song. Yeah. Who'll stop the rain? Rain dance. I'm sure there's a song called Rain Blame Dance. Blame it on the rain. <laughs> you win. Yeah. <laughs> Once Millie Vanilli's been played, there's nothing else. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, and interestingly enough, the two main singles for this, for this album and the movie were When Doves Cry and... Uh, Fuck. Is that it? I can't. Yeah. But they called it something different on the album. <laughs> it wasn't actually uh, called Fuck. Let's Go Crazy. Those were the two. Like no, They reached number one. They were the singles. And then uh, Purple Rain, this, the, when that was the third single, it only reached number two. Which, like, that's surprising to me because I mean, that's like the best song on the soundtrack. Yeah. Uh, and everything. So. Uh, mm. But Prince was an icon. And, and there's. Shreds a, of guitar. Damn right. Yeah, I that you hit it on the head, man. He's that dude can he can wail to quote one of my '90s icons. <laughs> totally. Yep. Yep. <laughs> anyway, in the real world, Joe gives scores or is that? Later? Oh well, yeah. Oh, I actually, actually, I have it. I have, it, I have, I have it on here, but we can do it now. What's your score, Daniel? What do you What do you give Purple Rain? Probably give it a seven. That's good. Mm. That's a good Daniel score. Uh, I, overall, I'd give it an I give it an eight. I think it's a great movie. Uh, again, the, the music alone, it's one of those to where, you know, I can you can always listen to the soundtrack anywhere, so to speak. So that kind of makes the music better, if that makes any sense. Whereas the movie, you have to watch it. That makes any sense. Yeah. That's why I'm justifying my eight. <laughs> anyway, but yeah, but the one thing the soundtrack can't give you is more stay in the motherfucking time and him throwing bitches and dumpsters and dancing and getting drunk and trying to lure them, lure them to his seedy hotel room and all that stuff. So, But in the yeah. real world, July 23rd, four days before this film released, mm-hmm. none other than Vanessa Williams became the first Miss America to resign when nude photos of her appeared in Penthouse Magazine. I imagine she probably went, pretty, went and bought Purple Rain, the album, because she's probably a big Prince fan. I was like, yeah. oh... And she heard Darling Nikki. I was just like, oh. Somebody started disrobing wherever she was, and somebody took pictures. That's how powerful Prince is. And they put him in a magazine. <laughs> I'm sure. Somebody saw people in time. Oops. I accidentally signed this release. Whoops. <laughs> I was drunk. That's why the Pope resigned, too, right? Oh. <laughs> his nude pictures. Yeah. Those little boys. Just kidding, Catholics. Bummer. Just kidding. My wife's Catholic. <laughs> so uh, I could say it. <laughs> <laughs> that makes it okay. <laughs> but uh, you want to do Sports Rewind or Back to the Future first? I could do Sports Rewind. That's fine. Sports Rewind. I actually found one on the exact date. This really? Time. Yeah. Oh. Um, there's another kind of one. What do y'all think? This has been this has been a question for years. Um, From July 27th, 1984. <laughs> a little little shorter but yeah uh pete rose he had his 3052nd single not hits not not counting mm-hmm. his double him uh, he double was a single guy and, oh, yeah he was yeah. a single guy though you know. uh broke a record at that time he's he's <laughs> had over 4000 hits yet it's not in the hall of fame because he bet on some baseball games that's absolutely ridiculous yet there are people who of course, they can't prove it. Steroid users in the yeah. Hall of Fame, certain ones like that. 
to me, that is the stupidest thing ever in baseball, or one of the stupidest, the fact that he's actually admitted it finally. And even before that, that's that yeah. big a deal. The exactly. integrity of the game means that much uh, in yeah. terms of just betting. Yeah. Now, he never bet on his own. I don't think he ever bet on something that he could have affected. Yeah, he could have, like, yeah. oh, I'm just going to strike out today. Yeah, that would be bad. Yeah, that <laughs> that uh, I could understand. But who doesn't bet on stuff? Who's Who hasn't gambled on something? You know, it's something absolutely. he's unrelated to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's a bummer. It's absolutely ridiculous. I mean, he was one of the most talented players to play the game and then I mean you hit on the head Mark McGuire is going to be in the Hall of Fame because he broke he was the first one to break Hank Aaron's winning yeah but he's not in the Hall of Fame oh he's not yet oh he's not yet well they've had the opportunity to vote him in and they haven't these Hmm. these old white haired people who want to preserve the game what about Roger Clemens is he in the Hall of Fame no okay Barry Bonds is in the Hall of Fame Palmero's not in the Hall of Fame who did not you know totally denied it and then was caught later doing it. I mean, I, I don't the, even the necessarily line. mean that. I'm talking about like people that is horribly on drugs or something. Yeah. You know that are which that's an individual thing. You're not really hurting anybody, but yourself. I mean, well, in your Unless family, you're driving drunk. Yeah. Or you, you know, I don't know if anybody who had a criminal record per se make the Hall of Fame. But Ray Lewis. Well, yeah. <laughs> well, that's you know. That's NFL. Like he, like in he, terms of baseball, yeah, you gotta be a just thug to be, be betting on something be and still thug. not make it. I mean, it's, it's really ridiculous. And the funny thing is, I've been to Vegas twice. Hit. Both times I've been to Vegas, Pete Rose was in Caesars Palace signing stuff at sports memorabilia really? stores. He lives He there. will get he in the Hall be, of Fame. Think, he's going to be dead. Yeah, I was going to wait until he dies. First, I was gonna, they're going to wait, you know, let him be dead, and then, yeah. which is ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. Exactly. That's a speech I would want to hear if he ever did make it and he was alive. Mm-hmm. Well, that, that that's why one reason they might not do it they might not let him in the Hall of Fame because then he's going to like talk shit about him which he deserves because yeah. there's no reason no reason at all that, and uh, you hit it on the head the argument that there's going to be other people that have done way worse things and I'm sure there's people already in the Hall of Fame that have done worse <laughs> things than that that are in there and there's no like oh you know they're not being their plaque isn't being taken out of the Baseball Hall of Fame so but that, like, in terms of steroids though and not putting these people in how do you know before there was just testing like it is nowadays? People mm-hmm. weren't on it. Yeah, well, These power hitters Hogan, back in the day. You know, look at a lot of the wrestlers back in the 80s. Yeah. You know, now it's a big deal because of Benoit, you know, and he's never to be mentioned yeah. on the WWF again, WWE right. again, which is a shame. You know, he's, you know, he, he deserves, I think he does, because of the severity, he deserves that. However, you know, he was, a, you can't deny the fact that he was a fantastic wrestler. Yeah. You know, Hitler was a great public speaker. I didn't agree with the word he said, but the motherfucker could speak. Yep. Uh, same thing with Benoit. I mean, one of the one of the uh, greatest matches I've ever seen in wrestling was the Owen Hart tribute match with Bret Hart and uh, Chris Benoit. I think it was like a year like a year to the day after, and they mm-hmm. wrestled in the same arena. Hmm. It was just you know it was just a fun match, and then like in the end they both pointing to the ceiling and like what a great match. And then like you know two years later Benoit kills his family. Yeah. You know, it, it, terrible, 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 terrible. Blah 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 blah. But the dude could wrestle. Because the, the, the whole thing about the Benoit thing, I think that where they, they're striking his name from everything is because they had the day, it happened, I think, on a Monday, or they discovered their bodies on a Monday. And that Raw that night was like the tribute to Chris Benoit episode. So, so they're all like, Chris, you were such a good yeah. guy. 
we love you to death. You know, that was the truth. And that's and almost it's it's amazing that happened and how society is these days. And that's before because they you found know, out. And I I mm-hmm. guarantee you they all still feel that same way about him. Mm-hmm. You know, you you know, God man, you know, like in your most private moments, like I'm I'm triple H was like, you know, some dude, he was training some new guy, blah, blah, blah. He, was, he didn't do his squats. And then Chris went in there and said, no, man, you got to do these. And he did every squat with the man. He showed him how to do it, blah, blah, blah. And I respected that. I guarantee you Triple H still respects Chris Benoit. He doesn't agree with what he did, which nobody would, except maybe Dahmer or Gacy or those fucked up people. <laughs> but, I mean, and that's what's so great. Not great. Terrible choice of words. But that's what's so interesting about the fact that they had that episode. And then the next Monday Night Raw, it's all black. Vince is in the ring with a spotlight. This is the last time you'll ever hear... Chris Benoit's name mentioned in the WWE. Mm-hmm. You know, last week, you know, it was a terrible tragedy. Heart squads, blah, 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 blah. And he's forgotten. Which, in a sense, he should be. But, you know, in the fact that it, some things don't, you know, it's, he was still a good guy to some people. Yeah. But and I'm not justifying that in any way what he did. I just wanted but to wipe the... He, yeah, exactly. It's like he, ne- he never they existed. Wanted to wipe, they wanted to get more of a napkin to wipe the blood off. They wasn't necessarily on their hands, but they didn't want to. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. it's it's a corporation protecting itself mm-hmm. in a sense. But there's people, uh, you know, there's people that have done terrible things later in life or after they've done something great that are, you know, I think Phil Spector's in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame as a producer. Yeah. Uh, you know, are they, taking was, his, are they throwing the, his plaque out? What was the director that, that moved away? Oh, Roman Polanski? Yeah. 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 You know, he le- mm-hmm. he fled to avoid, I think, pedophile charges. Yeah, I think so. And everything, mm-hmm. but and then uh, the, interesting, you mentioned that it was oh, it was when he came back after the statute of limitations was over, some bullshit, where he came back to the states and he got the Academy Award, like Lifetime Achievement Award. Which he, Polanski's a fantastic director, he's a great director, but you know, you evaded st- sticking up for what you know, for what you did, blah blah blah, and he had a. Now, granted, the dude had a shit life. You know, when your wife, pregnant wife is murdered by the Manson family, that can fuck a person up. That isn't an mm-hmm. excuse to go fuck a teenager, an <laughs> underage person. Now, 13-year-old. Yeah. And then flee. Was it 13? This says she was between 15 and 17, huh? At the bottom, the sexual abuse case. Oh, uh, okay. You know, and then to flee the country. Uh, sexual assault. I got but the, the, the thing that strike, that I'll always remember about that is when he received his award at the Academy Awards... Not all the actors stood up and applauded. You know, like when everybody, anybody, uh, when everybody, anybody receives the, you know, the Cecil B. DeMille Award or whatever, everybody, you know, because it's usually like a Sean Connery or one of, you know, one of those people that maybe never won an Oscar or they got one honorary or whatever. I hate to say it like that. But uh, when he received his, like Jim Carrey stood up and was clapping. Uh, I remember Ed Harris was just sitting there not doing it. Like half the people stood up and applauded. The other half just sat there and did nothing. Mm. Yeah. You know, but he still got a fucking Academy Award for being a pedophile. You know, it wasn't for being a pedophile. Well, I mean, <laughs> yeah, you're correct. He didn't get, he did not get the Academy, the Academy Award for *Pedophilia* goes to the nominees are Jeffrey Jones and Roman Polanski. The winner. Some guy's pissed. I didn't even get nominated. <laughs> Some. <laughs> Someone who wasn't busted yet. Like, saw it shows their face and they're just angry. <laughs> That's terrible. The upset, ah, and the <laughs> reluctant clap. <laughs> that Faith Hill, like, what? Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. The things we talk about on this show. Yep. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, it's really ridiculous that Pete Rose isn't. But I do I do believe one day he will. But it, it, like you said, I agree with you. It's going to be after he's passed, and then it's going to be worthless practically. Because yeah. 
future generations would be like, oh, he wasn't, he was taken out, and then he was put in now. Okay, I guess I get that. I mean, it doesn't matter. I mean, putting somebody in the Hall of Fame of anything to me, like, that needs to be done when they're alive so that they know it. Because he, he could go to his grave and, like, he could be thinking, like, oh, I might make it. <laughs> yes, he's putting up and seen pictures of Pete Rose in his underwear. <laughs> it's very distracting. He looks like uh, John Fogarty from CCR. Hmm. In the face with that bowl haircut. Yeah, yeah. He could be brothers. I thought you were talking about his belly button. <laughs> <laughs> well, they do have that similar abdominal structure. Uh, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Baseball players do not look fit. It's the end of <laughs> sports. Rewind. <laughs> See what I did. I like what you did there. <laughs> uh, and for today's Back to the Future segment, we're going to come back real quick to the present and talk about a free iPhone game. That's amazing, and that Daniel should download immediately because it's free and he doesn't pay for apps. But I'm talking about Robot Unicorn Attack Part 2, the sequel to the original Robot Unicorn Attack from Cartoon Network and Pickpock Games. Uh, it's a mm. great little game. If you ever play the original, the main thing about it is you're a unicorn, and you run and leave a rainbow trail, and you jump through the environment and dash through stars while this amazing homoerotic song's playing. And it sounds really gay, but this game is so amazing. The first one was, and so was the sequel. But the, here's why this, um, I got to pitch, I got to push the sequel on everybody listening. Uh, it's free to buy. However, there's licensed music in the game that if you want the licensed music, you have to pay 99 cents for. So in a sense, if you buy one song, you pay 99 cents for the app, which you don't have to, Daniel, so go ahead and download it. <laughs> uh, but one of the licensed songs you can buy to listen to as you take your unicorn, which you can now fully customize on its journey to oblivion, uh-huh. is the theme song of The NeverEnding Story. So I'm sitting there. Oh, so that's what you posted the other day. Yeah, <laughs> sitting there on the toilet, in bed, NeverEnding On the theme. toilet in bed? Yeah, I have one that's of those. That's an awesome bed. It's one of those tempur you know, lazy boy Toilets. beds. <laughs> you just roll over, lift the pad, lay back down, <laughs> roll back over, shut it, and you're good to go. It's pretty it's, nice. It's a uh, prototype. Sure. Working on the mass market model. Yeah. Yeah, but if you like free <laughs> iPhone games... It's uh, it's exceptionally fun and addicting. Uh, it's really simple. What's it similar to? Uh, it, an endless game. It's, I mean, it's just a. Lo- it's almost like. It's like a two D temple run. Yeah, they're perfect. Oh, okay. thank you. Perfect example. It's basically two D temple run. Came up before, the original came up before temple run, but it's it's a side scroller. Yeah, uh, Mario. Of course, it gets faster. It's a Mario rush run. Like yeah, you, speed you run. ever see the speed run <laughs> through the level? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Except you don't have an option to stop. Yeah. yeah. And the whole premise of the game is you're a robot unicorn running through this in, this world, and you have three lot you have three wishes, aka lives, and mm-hmm. it's all about just getting the highest score. But yeah, I mean, there's so many of those too. This one is unique, honestly, because first of all, robot unicorn, it's you know it's so silly, it's awesome. Right. Like I don't like unicorns except in the movie Legend and on this game. Okay. Unicorns are badass to me if it's in any of those two contexts. Uh, and then again, like you said, it's it's, it's redundant, but it's just it's like Pitfall. For Atari, I played the shit out of that game. Of course, at my age, or, or at the age I played it, I didn't know that it, you couldn't beat it. So I just got like, Jesus, I think I already saw this part before, <laughs> you yeah. know, repeatedly. But it's just, a, it's, a, it's a time waster. And it's all, it's, the funny thing about it is just, you know, beating your high score, et cetera, et cetera. And you eventually, uh, you can customize your unicorn in this one to have like, uh, one of them is, is even like a black horse with flame from the hooves, like, you know, like what you would imagine one of the horse from the apocalypse riding. So you can make it look more macho if you don't like you know a white robot unicorn with you know leaving a rainbow trail etc but anyway if you've got an ios device i'm not sure if it's on android or anything 
the original, I don't know if it's free because it doesn't tell me because I already have it installed. Uh, but the sequel is free. You just have to pay for the licensed music. I would highly recommend shelling out 99 cents, getting the never-ending story theme because it's one of the greatest songs ever fucking written and it fits the game and the imagery <laughs> perfectly. And also because, literally, you were playing a never-ending story. So it's kind of ironic in a sense because the game mm. never ends. What's your top score for people to beat? Uh, I don't have to look. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of like a one-trick pony, haha, <laughs> or a one-trick unicorn, because uh, like you get through, like I said, you get three wishes, uh-huh. and like the first one I'll do, one of them I'll do super good at, but uh-huh. the other two I'll fuck up. It's so like my highest for like one wish was like fifty-two. I guess it continues where you left off. No, you start back at the beginning. Why don't they just let you restart the game? Then? I don't know. Don't question robot <laughs> unicorn attack. <laughs> they have these certain apps where you'll see the scores, and it's just some ridiculous. Oh, like yeah, in games, like nine, and then twenty-one. Digits after the, you know, something stupid. But I like the games where it looks legit, like when you look at the number one score. Yeah. There's a couple of, of the games where I did really well. You just got to play against your friends. That's pretty much it. Let me see what game it what is called. I play against myself. Or that. Because nobody else plays Robot Unicorn. If you play Robot Unicorn Attack 2, Game Center, Panda Shark, Panda Space Shark, no underscore, none of that bullshit, just play Panda anything. Space Shark. Plants vs. Zombies, hit me up, dog. Beat my score, bitch. <laughs> Challenge. Last time you played that? A long time. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I keep putting the version of that on Xbox Live on sale. Yeah. I'm so tempted to just buy it just to have it. Because <laughs> nice. I've played through the entire game at least three times. I like playing wherever I want with the phone. Exactly. That's the charm or the, the convenience uh, of it. Ninja Turtles a... just came out with a never-ending run Oh, thing. I saw that. I didn't download There's it. There's a, a game kind of like this mm-hmm. called Line Birds, except you fly through obstacles. It's endless. I'm 83 out of 1 million. Wow. In terms of well, let me pull out my Game Center and see what I'm good wow, at. Oh, jeez. Welcome I, to Game Center, cast. This is iOS Game Center talk. <laughs> but, like, when you look at the high scores, you're da, like, da, da, okay, da, da. This, he didn't hack into this somehow or this stupidly absurd Find high score. exploit or yeah. something. Yeah. <laughs> Strangely enough, to tie into the never-ending story, I forgot that my quote on Game Center is, Moonchild, which that'll make <laughs> more sense to you, Daniel, when you see never-ending story. Which will be coming up on here. Let's see. Oh, look. Super Magic. Oh, wait. That's just recommendations. All recommendations are played by Daniel. Hmm. Let's see. On Robot Unicorn Attack 2 out of 1 million, I'm number 5,378. <laughs> so not too bad. Not Actually, terrible, I guess. This, this line, Birds. On Easy, I'm 83 out of a million. On Medium, I'm 47th out of 516,000. Wow. On Hard, I'm 147 out of 540,000. What game is this again? Line birds. What's that like? Never heard of it. It's like this, but oh, you got to fly through obstacles. That's it. Okay, I think my... you have a little bird. Yeah, I mean it's a simple game. But huh. on very easy, I'm 93 out of 541,000. Some of these games are like so old, like on mine, like they don't. <laughs> like uh, Army of Darkness Tower Defense. I never did the endless, so I don't. Oh, know what's going. I'm 675,000 out of 1,700. So I'm like midway. That's the only original Robot Unicorn Attack. Not even a million people played it, but already over a million have played the second one. I guess because <laughs> it was free. But I'm 317,000. Not so, not so good on that one. If it, if I <laughs> wow. look at the top score and I see it's not like stupid, I'll play. I'll get it up there. <laughs> um, actually, in, in Temple Run Two, I'm six million six hundred seventeen thousand and fifty-two out of forty-six million people. That's pretty good. So that's not too bad. It's like the top. Almost like 16, I'll let you do the math because we know I suck at it. It's pretty good, though. 
Yeah, see, Plants vs. Zombies. I'm, I'm, half, I'm halfway up the leaderboard on that. There's eight million, eight and a half million. I'm four and a half. I just I'm not sure how they score that, though. I guess maybe just your overall time. The original Infinity Blade, I'm one million point two out of eight million. Wow. Not, <laughs> not to bore everybody with these random things, <laughs> yeah. but like... Yeah. <laughs> but Daniel started, now I just got to see. Now we're all checking our phones. Bummer. Well, the thing is, like, I never... My, my bad habit is I keep remembering when I delete an app to remove it from Game Center. Uh-huh. So like I, I got like 87 fucking games I got to scroll through to find just the ones I still have on... <laughs> two I still have on my fucking... The ones that matter. Phone, yeah. Well, that was fun. If you want to send your high scores or challenges on Game Center, what's your Game Center name so they can add you, Daniel? Prego Dago. I'm going to spell that. P- I'm just R- kidding. No, go ahead. No, did you? I don't know. Yes. Well, well Prego like... Dago with no spaces. Jesse, you just sedulating? Sedulating, yeah. <laughs> How original. Shut up. Anyway, everybody, back to the podcast at hand. That's pretty much it, I guess. What's your yeah. name on there? Oh, Panda Shark. Oh, Panda Shark. Panda, right. Panda Space Shark. As it is on Xbox Live, if you want to play some Injustice, and it's me or Jesse. Jesse, what's your name on Xbox Live? It's something unique. Jay Sedgley, I think? Yeah. 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 I was kind of hitting at the Sedgley thing again. Yeah. If, if my name was that unique, I would use it for everything. Mine's Prego Dago. That's why. I mean, that's exactly. It's always like, it's never, never taken. taken. Yeah, exactly. Now it is. Now it is. That's right. If now, it's taken, it's probably gonna... taken by me, and I forgot I made an account. <laughs> forgot that you made an account. <laughs> <laughs> then you got to spend like an hour trying to remember your password. How'd you come up with Panda Shark? Uh, well, originally it was Auron based on the... Since Xbox Live started in the beta, I had Auron, which is my favorite character in Final Fantasy X. Mm-hmm. And I sold... A dude like messaged me randomly like, hey, dude... Would you ever consider, you know, selling your name, like your Xbox? Online? I'm like, sure. How? Like, you know what? Well, he gave me like uh, 2,400 Microsoft points and paid for the name change. Cause I was kind of, cause I, I, got, I remember when you were that. Cause I got tired. Cause people would always, ever since fucking Mecha Salt on Xbox One, people would be like, Aaron, Aaron, look out. You know, you know, and it's, it's I'm like it's Aaron. <laughs> and you, you know, well, I'm, we've mentioned my friend shot. Jason before. His name is Singe on Xbox Live. People would call him Sign G. Sign Aaron G. and Sign G, look out. We're just like, we would refuse to listen to them because they were pronouncing our names wrong. People, I'm not going to look. Exactly. <laughs> oh, I died. I don't <laughs> even care. There's been a couple that have called me pre-God Ego. Pre-God Ego. It fits, though. Uh. <laughs> that's that's understandable. That's not, I mean, out of S-Y-N-G-E, Sign G. I mean, that's... <laughs> The second a dude said that, me, I can hear, I can hear Jason just, and both we just died laughing because that was the most absurd pronunciation for that. It's <laughs> like sign G, sign G, look out! I've never thought that. And we we just die laughing, but yeah, uh, panda shark. Autumn's favorite animal is a panda, and mine is a shark. So I combined them all or them both into one ferocious but cute creature. Panda shark. Isn't panda, panda shark. one of the more ferocious creatures in the world? If they I don't get a hold to you. Maybe. I just seen that video where that one grabbed that kid's backpack through the bars. Yeah. Didn't hurt the kid. Maybe he just wanted the backpack. Yeah. I don't know. That's what it is. Yeah, if you hit us up on there, you know, we uh, we all play Xbox. Yours is, you know, I mean, yours is the same thing as Game Center, Prego Dego on Xbox, like you said. So you send us a friend invite to say listen to the podcast. Drop us a line on there if you want to. Or if you don't have Xbox or an iOS and get us on the Game Center or Xbox Live, by all means, there's Gmail. 80s mm-hmm. revisited at gmail.com. If you made it through all that game talk, you're right. <laughs> if you're still listening, yeah. <laughs> or if you just tuned out because we stopped talking about games. Yeah. Uh, also, if you have Facebook and you don't have Gmail or you don't have, you don't email, you just Facebook. That's fine. Awesome podcast network on Facebook. Yeah. Look us up there. What's that? You don't like Facebook either? You only use Twitter. We got you covered. At awesome podcasts on Twitter. Yeah. 
Yep. And isn't Sedgley Films on Twitter as well? Or at Sedgley, it's me. At Sedgley. And and the films. Yeah. Yeah, for all the info on that as well, check that out. And then also on Facebook, Sedgley Films S E I D U L E. Yep. Uh where as I mentioned before Sedgleyfilms.com. There we go. Thank you. I'll have to mark that. Mm. I wrote I hand wrote it on my notes so I didn't forget it. Oh yeah. The film part, because I want to promote that as much as possible. But you can check out The Pursuit of Red X, a labor of love by yeah. Jesse and us to get finished and out to you people. More to come. Exactly. Bigger and better things to come. But definitely check it out. There's an unlisted link link on the Facebook page, correct? Mm-hmm. Where you can check it out. And as I mentioned last week, it's a musical. Uh Prince, if you're listening, check it out. Maybe you could help us out. Yeah. You know, like you did try to do with Apollonia and Vanity and everything. You know, I could see a Purple Rain sequel, another sequel, Purple Rains. I always, I always wanted well, somebody. Sequel oh, crashed the, the sequel to Purple yeah. Rain. I don't, even, I don't even know that was a sequel to it. I knew it was an it album. Made like four million, I think. Six million dollar budget. The thing is, I didn't know much about it other than there was an album, like I mentioned. But also, more stays in it. So like, I found that out when I was looking at this. So now I want to see it. To see. It's called Graffiti Place. Graffiti, graffiti Bridge. Bridge, yeah. And he directed it too, so. We'll see what happens. <laughs> Hopefully he's better than Rob Zombie. Uh, anyway, that kind of about does it. So thank you for listening to our first episode in Music Month. I was going to try to do a little jingle with it, but the words immediately left my brain after I thought of it, so don't worry about that. But yeah, next week's Music Month film will be the classic Footloose. Not so much as musically inclined as this film, but still an iconic movie involving music of the 80s. So tune in next week to get a little footloose with me and Jesse and Daniel here at 80s Revisited. And until next time, I am Trey Harris. I'm Daniel San Angelo. Jesse Sajid. Cowabunga!
more at the Awesome Podcast Network's Facebook at facebook.com slash awesome podcast network and follow us on Twitter at awesome podcasts.